0: Being abducted right now.
1: Welcome to episode number 29 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-host tonight is Harry Marks from the fabulous podcast Covered. So let me, let, before we go on any further, let me explain why we've gone back in time and we're doing episode 29 and not 31. After I'd invited folks to be guest hosts, knowing that Lenore was going to be out traveling and gallivanting with her family, I created special show documents with their names, and then we decided to skip an episode due to schedule conflicts, All the other show docs were corrected, but these last two were not oops. So, um, yeah. That's why it's 29 and not 31. I figured I'd be a completionist and do episode 29. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about writing novels by hand since I know that Harry has done some. Um, let me in- tell you a little bit about Covered before we talk about what we're drinking. So Covered is a podcast about books and the people who write them, featuring interviews with authors and publishing professionals all about the writing process. I- I'm kind of fangirling out here a little bit, Harry. Um, Covered <laughs> is one of my favorite podcasts.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate- appreciate it
1: well uh, you've been doing some really interesting stuff and your interview style is really lovely thank you i really enjoy the fact that your whole last season has been all female authors that's been fabulous and um can i just ask what um what got you what 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 um spurred that decision on
0: uh jonathan franzen no i'm kidding uh (laughs) guys are everywhere and and uh you know it I did it as a way to highlight and illustrate because a a lot of times I hear and and, um, if you talk to a lot of librarians or booksellers or just people who read, if if you ask the average guy – what they tend to read nine times out of 10, they read books by dudes and dudes alone. Hmm. And so as a way to both broaden my horizons and hopefully the horizons of um, listeners to my show, uh, I wanted to talk to a variety of women from a variety of backgrounds with a variety of books. So There's um, a man Booker nominee in there. We've got, I'm, I'm trying to get more writers of color on and it's just scheduling wise. It has been frustrating and some people haven't returned emails or calls. Mm. So I'm, I'm trying to get more writers of color on but man booker nominee um you know uh, mystery authors Mm. thriller authors just different backgrounds literary fiction just to run the gamut and some of my favorite books of of all time have been read this season like the strange case of the alchemist's daughter oh
1: that was so good
0: right and the sequel comes out next month so Um, excited i can't wait for that so for anyone who hasn't read it it's basically a victorian monster mashup the daughters of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So two separate daughters from two separate sides. Um, Dr. Frankenstein's female monster. Um, and then, uh, Dr. Moreau's first, like, real, uh, human animal hybrid creation that worked. Um, his quote daughter. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, the, the daughter of the scientist from a short story. I can't remember the name of it, but sh- her, she had ingested so many plants growing up that she's actually become poisonous. Um, so they, they team up with Sherlock Holmes to solve a series of murders in London. And it's just a blast to read. I had so much fun reading that. Mm. Um, and then, uh, Greer McAllister, so that's by Theodore Goss. And then, uh, Greer McAllister wrote this terrific novel, um, Girl in Disguise about, uh, Kate, I think, Kate Warren, um, who was the first woman, female detective, um, private detective, uh, in the 1800s. And she actually helped save Abraham Lincoln's life. Mm. And, it's fascinating historical fiction. Um, and she used actual case files, what could be found while she was writing it. Um, it just, you know, really terrific stuff. So there's a, a wide array of literature out there by women. And I'm just trying to highlight as much of it as I can.
1: Fabulous. I love it. I've greatly enjoyed that. Um, so um, let's talk about what we're drinking and using to write with tonight. Um, so, Harry, what about you? What are you uh, drinking tonight?
0: I have, because my local Wegmans has been slowly pushing out Polar Seltzer, which is the superior seltzer. LaCroix, uh, La Croix, La Croix is, is garbage. La Croix? Uh, yeah, exactly, LaCroche. Um <laughs> so I'm drinking just a lime seltzer. Okay. Uh and I was just outside uh with my wife and son and we were we so we've been going to Toys R Us every couple of weeks just to see what's you know on sale and everything. So I don't know if anyone remembers, but a couple months ago, Radio Flyer teamed up with Star Wars to put out this what is essentially a Power Wheels land speeder. Oh. And it originally retailed for five hundred. Then they dropped the price by half, so it was two fifty. And now because Toys R Us is going out It was another 60% off. So we snagged this thing for a steal. Nice. And put it together, took it outside, and he was just having a blast, speeding up and down the backyard. It was so funny.
1: That's awesome.
0: So yeah, it's, it's been terrific. So I'm drinking, this is ice cold and I'm thrilled because I'm, I was running. He was chasing (laughs) me with it. I've been writing, and we'll go into this, but I've been writing with um, my Blackwing 24s. I've been working through my, my box. So I've used about five, and I've sharpened up a sixth. And I, in, with those, I've been writing in, I bought three sets of the Baron Fig composition vanguards, mm. um, because that's what I've been writing my sixth novel in. So I filled up three of them, and I'm starting a new set.
1: Nice. Nice. So for me, I'm, uh, I'm sipping some hot tea and, uh, I just downed some cough suppressant. Oh, who
0: are we gossiping about this evening? Huh? I said, who are we gossiping about this evening? Sipping some hot
1: tea. Uh, I don't know that are, joke.
0: You, oh, it's a, it's apparently a, a, a phrase, uh, you know, if you're spilling some tea or sipping some tea, you're, you're talking shade about someone.
1: Oh, really? I like that.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's a Southern thing.
1: Oh well no I'm not gossiping about anyone um although we could gossip about my lovely coworker who brought the summer plague into work so cheers to her uh for getting me sick so I'm uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sipping the hot tea and uh, just down some cough suppressants so I don't cough and hack my whole way through the podcast I am still writing I'm still I'm still working my way through a barren fig train of thought as my podcast notebook. But today, instead of using pencil, I'm using a Jinhao 992 filled with some sailor, and I'm going to butcher this, Rinkyu Cha, um, ink, which looks like black, but dries to this lovely gold sepia color. And it just, it feels great on the paper and it looks fabulous. Very so nice. I'm very excited about that. So, what's exciting for you? What's, uh, what's going on in your world that's, uh, super exciting?
0: Well, I've been editing, uh, the fourth issue of Plumbago with Andy Wellfley. Um, and we've got some terrific submissions so far. And we're pretty, we're near the end. Um, we had a few last minute submissions, but we've been working in Dropbox Paper, um, as an editing platform. And I I think I went through just about everything last night, finished it all off. So, you know, we're teaming up with some illustrators for the pieces. Um Anna Reinert is involved.
2: Oh, excellent. Um,
0: cu- yeah, a couple of other people. And then I've I've still gotta write the the letter from the editor <laughs> kind of thing for the beginning of it. But hmm. um it's been great. I'd put it it's it's interesting to wear a different hat. Usually I'm writing a piece and I don't it's all nonfiction this issue. So it's not a a, a genre, so to speak, um that I'm familiar too familiar with. I don't work in nonfiction mm-hmm. a whole lot. So I've been sort of stretching my legs in that and, and wearing a different hat this time from just writing, you know, a fiction piece. So it's been, it's been great. But, uh, it, you know, we, we've got people who do write, have written before, maybe have even been published before. Um, and then we've got people where it's their first time mm. and it's their first time submitting. And so just, you know, seeing the difference. I, w- I don't want to say quality, but just in, in, Skill set and and sort of w- watching people grow and mature and and um, really hone their skills has been uh it's been really fascinating and really rewarding because the the pieces have turned out phenomenal across the board. Mm. So
1: cool! I just um recently did my first beta read for someone.
0: Oh, cool! How'd that go?
1: It was really neat. Like I um so I belong to a lesbic chat group in Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I asked some of the authors what they expected f- from their beta reader. And I asked the person that I was beta reading for, what did they expect um, from their beta reader? Um, and so it was really cool c- to kind of go through someone's first draft um, and sort of highlight the things that I thought needed work and then go back and forth with them and, and f- like have them say, Oh, Hey, yeah, you know, I-, I knew that needed more work. That was something that I la- added in my last pass through. So it was just, it was a really Really interesting thing, but it also helped me look at, um, how I write. And mm-hmm. it, it, so I don't know. It was, it was eye opening, I think, to realize, like, everyone goes through these kind of issues before they publish. Like, in terms of, of writing, like, you, you have your first draft and then you, you, you know, you do your self editing and then you pass it on to someone to do that beta read and how much work can still go into it um and then compare that to like a lot of the um self published so the fic chat that i belong to it's um mostly um lesbian romance authors and they're all indie so it's right. really interesting to see that how they do it in comparison to like, um, more traditional publishing. And it's very, it's very, it reminds me of, um, when you read about like the old pup, pulp fiction publishing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or how stuff was sort of like you, you churned it out and your copy had to be clean. Yeah. And- one
0: of, one of my favorite authors, uh, Lawrence Block, who I interviewed in my second season, that's mm. how he got his start. He, he's been doing this for, you know, 70 years and, yeah. and he got to start churning out pulp novels you know that you would buy for a dime at the corner drugstore
1: yeah so and i think that the indie publishing is reminds me a lot of that old pulp style of publishing versus you know the boutique books that people used to do on their own do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like there's there's a big difference i think between the stuff that people self-publish and then indie publishing
0: right and so uh, a lot of people get indie they confuse indie with with self-publishing and and The way I always understood it, indie is sort of small press. You're not Mm -hmm. going to a big five house. You're not going to Penguin Random House or, or Scholastic or Macmillan. Um, you're, you're going to like, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the publisher. Um. But, you know, Dock Street or Barrel House or, or oh. some publisher that does small runs, um, alternating current versus self-publishing, which is you're doing it all yourself. You're uploading it to Amazon and Kobo and Barnes & Noble and you're taking on the marketing, the cover design, all that stuff and you're doing it all your your yourself and you're not involving any type of publishing entity at all um and then the the one thing i've seen with the people who do it themselves especially with the romance is that they have to they have to turn it out in order to maintain their rankings on amazon yep. because if they don't turn out a book a month then they they fall and then they disappear entirely
1: yeah yeah well, i think that there's maybe maybe there's like a middle ground between indie and self-publishing because i think a lot of um at least a lot of the authors that that are self-published through like Kindle Universe or Kobo or any of those things right. they are involving other people in their publishing. So they're they're hiring editors, and they're hiring people to, to to do some of that work.
0: Well, you can you can still self-publish and hire a cover designer and hire mm-hmm. an editor to to go through your manuscript and still do it yourself and consider yourself self-published. I think Kindle Universe, uh, which, I, they're shutting it down, aren't they? That, that was the fanfic one, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, but I know Kindle has its own publishing platform where they will invite you, they'll, they'll basically bring you on as if they were a publishing house and put your novel out for you and give you prime real estate on the website and you know all the marketing they can behind it and that's that's basically what indie publishing is except with amazon which is so far from an indie anything
1: yeah yeah you know and the interesting thing i think and i'm totally i'm getting a little tangential here but that's what we do on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) the the interesting thing is that like a lot of those authors do make a living doing the kindle um unlimited Mm -hmm. or publishing only on kindle but i I think it's 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 really it's really tough for them to make a living at that
0: it is you know everyone i I, i'm not a self-publisher i don't know if i ever will be i I can't say i won't ever be but right now my dream is traditional publishing getting Mm -hmm. an agent getting a book deal you know getting that book onto store shelves i i couldn't take on that kind of responsibility Um, I couldn't take on the cost to do it. I don't care how little you, you know, you read an article, you don't have to spend a lot of money to self-publish. I'm sorry. I think to do it right, you have to spend a a bit of money and I don't have that money to spend. And I don't want my entire life to revolve around marketing and finding a cover designer and hiring an editor and all this stuff. I want to write my book. I don't, I understand that even as a, a traditional author, I would still be responsible for some marketing, but. You know, I, I don't want that to be my entire life. I can't have that be my entire life. Right, right. And, and I, you know, the people who do it and make it work and it's, you know, they're making money on it. Awesome. Great. I'm super happy for you and more power to you. I, I, I believe self-publishing works for specific genres, um, over others. Like literary fiction doesn't really do well, I think, uh, as self-published, but, Romance, mysteries, thrillers—you know, stuff that people want to binge read. Yeah. Um, and and you know that you can um, sort of pump out a little more quickly um, than something navel gazy. I think uh, mm. <laughs> you, you know that that you you can do better with self publishing. I think it's the binging that really does it. If you can put a book a month out, you've got you know lifetime readers in. Um yeah. So yeah, I, I I couldn't do that full-time you know even even if i was a traditionally published author i wouldn't want to do it full-time i i actually enjoy having it as a hobby
1: mm, yeah yeah so um oh yeah you know i wanted to talk about that cares custom post um about the elitism in the pen community um i thought that was a really interesting post that you don't get to hear that often um, I think a lot of people make that sort of observation on the sidelines or between themselves, but you don't often see that, um, put out there. Um right. And then, you know, the comments go ahead and, you know, prove, prove the author's point, but, uh,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> <you're so> off, <laughs> which is what happens so often online. Um, uh, but anyway, I just, I, I thought, um, I mainly, I wanted to make sure that was in the show notes and, uh, because I think we had a really fabulous discussion about it in the RSVB group, um, so I wanted to keep that cons- that constructive commentary going.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I've never been a part of the fountain pen network group mm. that they talk about in the article, so I don't have any experience on that side. Um, and I've never been to a pen show, and I know that you know if you go to a pen, some of the larger pen shows where the vintage guys show up, you know they can be a little uh, about the newer pen manufacturers yeah. or the the youngins who are getting into pens and, and they only want to see, you know, the canaleas and the, the new pilots and stuff. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, the, the communities I, I've been a part of on Facebook and in the, the pen addict slack, everyone's been pretty chill and, and welcoming. And, you know, I had a question about purple inks the other day and they were more than happy to jump in and, and recommend things to me. Um, and even just sort of passing, reading their conversations about some higher end pens. Nobody is ever like, Oh, well, if you spend that much money, of course you're going to get a a crappy pen. I I have never seen anything like that.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen that in the more, the younger groups, Mm -hmm. but, um, I was a member of the fountain pen network and I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash them. I had some very, very bad experiences with some of the other members, Poo-pooing my fondness for cheap pens. Um, and you know, it was not, it was not a great experience. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. so I could, I can see where that post is coming from. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, a- any, any group is going to have some undercurrent of issues like that. If, and this goes into my philosophy for maintaining a forum or maintaining a group, I think that groups need clear, consistent rules so that people can follow them. And if you have expectations that people are going to behave themselves and not troll other members of the group, then the members of the group rise up to that. And those who don't leave very quickly because they realize that they can't troll the community. And, you know, that's just, you know, having a long history of maintaining and running communities online. That's just my personal philosophy on that. And I think, oftentimes communities don't have those clear rules and we see what happens, you know, that ends Mm -hmm. up in trolling and misbehavior.
0: Yeah. You, you need guidelines. I'm, I'm in a writing group on Facebook, um, that it's, it's enormous. It's got 10,000 plus members in it. Um, but it's, you know, there, there are clear guidelines, you know, you are allowed to post, uh, you know, a certain thing each day, you know, you're not, there's no, um, no self-promotion there's no hate speech there's no not even you know you're allowed to post a warning article about maybe an agency that is doing nefarious things but Mm. there are some posts that definitely dive into um touchy subjects and they shut that down immediately because they know what can happen in the comments and it's it's nice it's nice to be a part of that kind of group sometimes or a lot of the time because you know what you're going to get and at the same time it it can feel a little stifling, like you're not sure what you're allowed to post, kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Um, but the, the moderators do a very good job. And I think if you have a good moderator and you have a good person who's running or people who are running their group and, and keeping things running, um, then it, it can be enjoyable for everyone.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how about we delve into the main topic? Okey dokey. Are you ready?
0: <laughs> Go
2: on. <laughs>
1: uh, so I listen to a lot of podcasts where authors are interviewed, covered, 88 Cups of Tea, The Writer Files, um, Smart Bitches, Trashy, uh, no, Smart Bitches, Trashy Books podcast are uh, just like a few of them. Uh, There's so many great interview podcasts, and I'm always surprised at the number of authors who write out their first drafts longhand with pen or pe- pencil on paper. So I wanted to take some time to talk to you, who like myself, um, you write. Are you being abducted right now? What was that? What? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I have some neighbors with Harleys. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, my street is nice and straight, so <laughs> they, uh, they tend to see how they open it up.
0: Oh, okay. If you will. So yeah. it wasn't a UFO. Okay.
1: Nope. Nope. That was a Harley. <laughs> um. So um I know that you like I do also work longhand in some form so mm-hmm. I wanted to take some time and talk about our favorite tools for writing novels by hand. Do you want to start?
0: Sure. Um so the first time I I wrote a book by hand it was my second book and I had this I I tend to write by hand when I want to work through my stash. Um I I've reached peak sable. I am, you know, I've tried to stop buying things because I just don't, I don't have room and I want to use what I have. So I had this big Moleskine notebook. Um, it was the like not eight and a half by 11, but it was the, the, that close to that size. It was a soft cover. And I know everybody hates Moleskine paper, but I will say if you have a pilot high tech C, the ink dries so quickly Mm -hmm. and it has such a fine point that that pen is perfect for just about any paper, including the Moleskine paper. So I used that. I wrote my second novel in it, first draft, and it was a it was a dream. I, I would sit in a Barnes and Noble every morning, um, open my notebook, get about a thousand, two thousand words down, and it was awesome. And mm-hmm. so when that was done, I would transcribe it into the computer, into Scrivener, and go from there. This time, um I didn't want to use pen, I wanted to use pencil because I'm currently staring at a full cubby uh setup of like 150 pencils. And, um, specifically, I wanted to use these Blackwing, Blackwing 24s that I've been saving for a special occasion. And I figured this is my sixth book. This is pretty special. This might be the one. So let's, let's use these and see how they do. And I haven't been disappointed. Um, I also had the composition notebooks from Baron Fig. I bought them. They looked gorgeous. And again, something I didn't want to waste, you know, to do lists in. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: I cracked them open. And as soon as I started using them, I knew A. This paper eats pencil. Um, It's very toothy. (laughs) Yes, it is. And B, because of that, I wanted to make sure I wouldn't have to switch to a different notebook when I ran out of them. So I bought three packs. (laughs) So I've I have nine notebooks, and I'm not I'm probably not going to make it to the last pack. I'll probably end up filling about six notebooks total uh, by the time this is all done. But um, it's been great. And I in between there, I've I've delved into other pencils like the Viking Element too. I've been a real big fan of. Um, it's actually a little more expensive than the black wings. Um, but it's, it's been fun, you know, using pencil sharpening, taking that time to think about what I want to put down next. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been using this round.
1: Nice. Nice. So what about other pencils? Are those like the main pencils that you stick with?
0: Um, yeah, the, the black wing. So I'll, I'll go about as low as a 602 in terms of firmness. Mm-hmm. Um, the anything blackwing wise lower than that I can't use. It's like using a crayon. Um, so HB's um, maybe like a two H if I'm feeling frisky. Hmm. Uh, but other other than that, uh, that's that's about as soft as I go. So I I had done this sort of roundup of um, for National Pencil Day. I had done this little roundup of um, n- like a novelist starter kit with the hopes that Caroline Weaver might actually put it in circulation. Wow. But Caroline has not gotten back to me.
1: Well, we'll tag her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but the Viking Element Two is in there. Um, the General Cedar Point Number One, which I was oh, a big God, fan of. Oh God, that's
1: a fabulous pencil.
0: Yep, the Tombow General Writing twenty-five fifty-eight HB. Also the, fabulous. Yep, the Mitsubishi Office ninety-eight fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh the Blackwing six hundred two standard, always great. Um, so those have been the ones I've been using, and then I I had also picked up the a Karen Dash. Pencil. I can't remember which model it was, um, but it was one of the less expensive ones, natural finish, and that one has been. It's a really, really smooth pencil. It runs soft. Not it. It dulls a little more quickly than I like, which is why I didn't put it in the, the roundup. But uh-huh. I have been enjoying using that pencil just because it feels really nice to write with.
1: Karen Dash does some fabulous stuff with their pencils. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the Stinkwood, but the rest of their pencils, I'm a big fan of.
0: Yeah, I mean, based on that, I would try other Karen dash Pencils. That one, that one is a real joy.
1: How do you, how do you get your, your <clears throat> novel from the written form into your computer?
0: So this, this part of the process never changes. When I write by hand, I always transcribe manually into Scrivener from the notebook. Um, I don't scan it. I don't do OCR or anything like that because I count that transcription as a second draft. I'm making right. changes as I'm getting it into the computer. I, I notice like, oh, I didn't. You know, take this thought for far enough or, you know, I don't like the way I worded this. Let me see if I can change this. When I transcribe, that's my second draft and I always do it long, you know, uh, manually, hmm. um, to get it all in there. So what ends up happening is I'll, I'll outline a chapter, um, usually in bare notes on the Mac or on the phone. I'll write the, the chapter in the notebook. And then when the chapter's done, I will transcribe it into Scrivener, outline the next chapter and keep going.
1: So you outline after you write or is it, like you outline then write it
0: right so what th- this book started as a nano NaNoWriMo novel okay. um and I didn't win and get anywhere close <laughs> to winning it was the, st- the odds were stacked against me from the beginning just by nature of writing this by hand but mm-hmm. what I tried to do is outline six or seven chapters ahead of time get them ready so I could re- really go in and just start hauling mm-hmm. ass and writing these and then I got to a point where I had run out of outline. I outline first, get it where I want it, and then start writing the chapter, so it just goes a lot more smoothly, and I'm not sitting there struggling looking mm. for words.
1: Yeah, so that makes sense. Like it, it. So then, when you're transcribing, you just you it's just a straight transcription, and then um, you edit sort of as you go, or you add more.
0: Yeah, as as I'm I'm putting it in the computer, I'll notice you know things I want to change, things I want to add, or things I'll just delete, or I, I'll even say like. Certain phrases I'll, I had written, I was like, what was I thinking when I wrote this? <laughs> um, so, you know, Similes and metaphors that really don't make sense on second viewing, mm. so those will change. Um, I'll, I'll write like in brackets, put more here, so when I'm transcribing, I'll go, stupid past Harry, leaving it for future Harry to figure out.
1: <laughs> and then you, so w- we should probably talk a little bit about your Scrivener in 60 seconds or 90 seconds?
0: Scrivener in 60 seconds which I haven't done in a while. I had started it and then the the new version of Scrivener was coming out so I had mm. sort of put it on pause and I I should go back to it. I want to go back to it. But so, anyone who has looked at a tutorial on YouTube knows the just how awful they all are. they're 17 minutes and the first 16 minutes of it are <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you <laughs> click that button in the corner. And it's just such garbage. And I, I, all I want is how do I do the thing I Googled? My, what I did was Scrivener in 60 seconds. It's a quick, hello, welcome to Scrivener in 60 seconds. Today we're going to learn about X feature. Here's how you do it. And then I go through the, the screen, the screen grab of the task to do it. And that's it. It's done in a minute. I think like a minute, 15 seconds tops. It's so you can get in, get out, and go back to what you were doing. So I'd done like 40, 50 videos starting to outline, you know, the different templates you can use and then going into actual features, um, you know, how to use the toolbar, customize it, you know, do searches, compound searches. So I have to go back to it now that the new version is out and I've been using it. Um, I just haven't gotten a chance to. I've been mm. doing so much other stuff.
1: Yeah, I am. I, um... I downloaded it very early on, like I got a free version of Scrivener and I tested it out and I was going to use it for my thesis and I was like, this is just too much to try and learn for the thesis. So I, I ended up using Google Docs for my thesis um, and Word, but I can totally see how Scrivener would be so much better for that process. With being able to like separate out the paragraphs, or not paragraphs, uh, chapters and all of that fun stuff. Well,
0: and, but, and the funny thing is that it was created for people in your situation. It was created yeah. for people writing dissertations and and theses so that it's being used for for fiction is sort of a natural progression of that but it's it's primary focus was for for those kinds of of um larger works you know academic works yeah um and it's i couldn't imagine using google docs for anything or word for anything i just i tried writing a book in word and i lost track of everything and it was a slog and i i couldn't Mm. I couldn't do it, but Scrivener, you know, I can collect research, I can collect character sketches, settings, rearrange the chapters just by dragging them up Mm. and down. I mean, it's it's an absolute joy to use, and I I couldn't imagine actually finishing a novel in anything but it.
1: Mm. I, you know, I I can't imagine trying to get my professors who are technophobes to use something other than word. Like you, I'm a big fan of those Baron Fig composition vanguards. But I am also a big fan of just composition notebooks. I use the Vanguards for noodling out ideas and I kind of rough draft my outline in them. So, like, before I sit down, I have like a rough idea of where I want things to go for my writing that night. And I will kind of give myself an outline for what I'm going to write that night because sometimes I'm just i'm I'm getting an hour here. I'm getting ten minutes there. and right. having if I sit down and I write down what I want to get done that day, it helps me gather my ideas and thoughts
0: and they're cheap. You don't have to think about am I wasting this notebook because you paid a buck for it right um, and you can beat the hell out of them and it doesn't matter. they're you know they're they're great utilitarian notebooks. yeah, and I always feel like I'm in a great science class when I yeah. carry one,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, like I do every, every year at back to school season, I do this composition book roundup for my blog. Right. And so I literally end up with 20 to 30 additional composition books in my house. (laughs) So like, I just, we, we just pass them out. Like I, I, I will take like, if I have to buy a bundle to get one of them for the test for the blog, I will take that bundle and I'll give it to my mom for her classroom so that I don't have you know, a bunch of them that I don't like. That's great. But what I do for every novel is I create what I call my, my novel Bible, which includes my character studies, location studies, and notes, and a really, really brief, rough outline. And that just sort of, like, I can go to that book, and I can grab it, and I can say, okay, what was I thinking about this character? Oh, wait, I went totally off the rails with they wouldn't react like that at all because they have this sort of personality trait and it helps me stay on track with my characters.
0: Right. And, and I, that's one thing where I have to do it in Scrivener because, or in bare notes for my outline, because even when I'm writing by hand, I'm flipping back, trying to remember where did I write the thing I'm trying to reference or, or, you know, what did I say at the section? And I'm just, you know, going back and back and back and I'm skipping and then, it's an it's a nightmare trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go in the the actual analog portion, as opposed to just typing a, a word in a search bar and finding it right there. So yeah, uh, my my story bible and everything lives in Scrivener, even when I'm writing it analog, just because. I need it at a at a moment's notice, and I don't want to have to look for it.
1: Yeah, I use um, Post-it tabs. Oh yeah, it, it, so that I can get to the characters. Like, uh, it, and if I'm like my main character, I'll pick one p- color tab for them, and I highlight a lot in the notebook to give myself a idea of like what I'm gonna write. But yeah, I mean, it's really kind of neurotic, like the writing. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking that I should, you know, do it somewhere online or on the computer i just haven't gotten around to it
0: i mean at the very least you could take a picture on your phone and scan you know one of the scanner apps yeah so it's backed up somewhere
1: yeah in terms of pencils i'm a big fan of the made in india casemates or any hindustan pencil i particularly like the marbles the marbled um what are they? I can't remember the brand. Oh, there's one right there. Of course, I have one on my desk. Are those Nataraj? Is that? Yeah, the Nataraj marble. Those yeah. are one of my favorites for writing longhand.
0: I keep meaning to try those, and I when I go to CW pencils, I always forget to grab one.
1: Oh, give me your address. I'll send you some. I've, I I split a package um with someone, and I'll send you a couple.
0: Oh, awesome! Thank you. What do you edit with?
1: I like to edit with a fountain pen. Okay. Or with a red, green, red, um, red, blue pencil. So, red and green ink is for editing. And, um, I really like, I like the editor by CW Pencil Enterprise. But I don't, I don't use the pencil end on it that much. Mm hmm. And I really like the Tombow 8900VP. That's one of my favorites for editing. It has a nice, uh, it's nicely colored. And uh, it doesn't smush, so I like editing with those.
2: Uh,
0: Michael Hagen, I, I believe it was Michael Hagen, sent me a pack of vintage Eagle <sighs> sealed, very thin, carmine red pencils. They are the best editing pencil I have ever used in my life. I had tried; it was a Mitsubishi, and it was it was like writing with a colored uh, a colored pencil. I yeah. mean, it was it was really just way too soft, yeah, way too garbagey. I edited my entire fifth novel with it. And I still have half a pencil left.
1: Yeah. I love, I, he sent me some of those too. Those are fabulous.
0: Yeah. The, the, with the little gold caps on them. Yep. It's so great. I love it.
1: I, um, let's see, Lenore sent me a bunch of, uh, Ackerman ink. Mm. And then hoisous, hisous, sap green, sap green. We'll go with sap green. Um, and it is just the loveliest sap green color that uh, it stands out on the page really, really well, and it looks like you can... It just pops perfectly against pencil.
0: And it probably doesn't look like your manuscript is bleeding, either.
1: <laughs> I actually like it when I do that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we're bleeding onto the page. So I kind of enjoy the uh, the idea of uh, a bloody edit. So in terms of uh, when, you're, when you're transcribing, what do you use? Do you just go straight... Right into Scrivener on your laptop because you, you mentioned the Alpha Smart.
0: Yeah, so I bought the Alpha Smart after I had already started this novel, and I'm not I'm not someone who like bounces around mediums, mm-hmm. you know. No matter what I where I am or what I'm using, I I try to stick with one thing so it's all consistent and it all looks the same. I'm a weird completionist that way. <laughs> so I'm I plan on using the Alpha Smart for either you know short stories in the future or the next book. That's that's one that I wanted because. You know, I have an iPad. I don't really use it. Um it, it's mainly become a, a Netflix machine for my son. <laughs> and I wanted something that was distraction free. So mm. this thing goes in my messenger bag. I can take it, it holds fifty thousand words, and I can plug it into a computer and dump it right into Scrivener when I'm done. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to use it using it. It runs I I think on like three AAA batteries for years. It's it's like a watch. So um, it's very low energy and, and I'm very much looking forward to using it.
1: Uh, D has and he, one and I've gotten to like play with hers a little bit and it's really cool.
0: And they're cheap as hell. You can get them for $30 on eBay. It's been great.
1: That it's actually cool.
0: one of the better eBay purchases I've made recently. Oh, I, I bought, yeah, yeah, the, I, I, I won a typewriter. Yeah. So I found out from the seller. I basically, I, I bought or won this 1936, um, uh, Royal model. O portable typewriter. It's gorgeous. It's actually in really great condition. All told, Um, the keys are, are perfectly fine. Nothing's bent. The, the chassis of it, the body of it is solid. There's no rust or anything, but the carriage is sitting on rails that have been totally worn out. The string needs to be replaced. I think it's, it's a little worn. And so when you type the carriage doesn't move and I took it to Gramercy typewriter. It's, it's where Tom Hanks gets his typewriters repaired. And he told me the guys like, you know, for the cost of refurbishing this, you could, feasibly just buy a new mo- quote new model um, meaning one he had already fixed up but i still want to get it fixed because it's such a beautiful machine and i'd like to use it at some point hmm. so i got my money back from the seller and what what they said was um they bought it at an estate sale it looked fine to them and they threw it up on ebay so yeah. it really is you get what you pay for Um, but at the same, I, the guy at Gramercy who he's been running it for, you know, 60, 70 years, he's like, you know, eBay has been bittersweet for us. On the one hand, you don't know what you're getting. You could be getting total crap on this, but at the same time, we're still in business.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I can't write longhand anymore. So I did, I actually won NaNoWriMo writing longhand. In 2016, Child. literally, I was like writing for hours. It was brutal. And yeah. shortly after I had my first carpal tunnel, <laughs> a bout of carpal tunnel, and uh, I write longhand at work. I fill out so many assessments and uh, like every day and I can't come home and write longhand anymore.
0: So. Have you ever tried dictation? I've heard some people are able to do it and I, my brain doesn't work that way.
1: I've tried some dictation. Uh, the problem is, is that you actually, you have to get the dragon naturally speaking to get it to work really well.
2: Mm-hmm. Otherwise,
1: you spend a ton of time editing. Actually, one of the, uh, lesfic authors, Kara Malone who is a relatively successful lesbian author, she pumps out a 250 page book a month plus short stories, right? And she dictates everything now because she has horrible carpal tunnel as well. Um, but she, then she goes through and she does the editing by hand. She uses Dragon naturally speaking. But it's so horribly expensive. And I've tried using um, the google dictation and it just like you can't get commas in there or like it doesn't do apostrophes it's it's really kind of a pain in the arse um to put it mildly to to do it and you know i could i could dictate probably a thousand words on my way home from work if you know i had dragon naturally speaking but it doesn't work for me all that well
0: I mean, it takes me 10 minutes to dictate a text message to Siri and I even then,
1: it's
0: a, <laughs> that's generous. Like it, it takes forever for me because my I just I get hung up on what words I want to use. Uh-huh. And if I'm not writing them down, if I'm trying to rattle it off, you know, at like, even right now, I can't figure out the word I'm trying to say, you know, <laughs> I, I'm trying to rattle it off right there. Uh it doesn't work for me. I, I need to be able to like slow down and actually put mm. the word on paper, regardless of, of if it's a computer or pencil or pen or what have you. I will say I was able to write a lot more in one session when I was doing it in pen versus pencil because of the the constant cranking, the sharpener. Yeah. Um, and ju- you know, the, the friction that the, the paper gives to the pencil, yeah. it takes a little more toll on the hand.
1: So when I did the NaNoWriMo, I had 12 pencils that I used and I didn't stop to sharpen until I used all of them.
0: Oh, okay. The, the Steinbeck method.
1: Yeah, I did. I used the Steinbeck method and that worked really, really well because I wasn't stopping to sharpen all the time. Yeah. So that really kept me going. That was, I, I would, if I were to do it again, I would do it that way. So what I do now is I do write longhand for my outline, character studies, and all of that. And then I type into an app called Jotterpad,
2: okay,
1: which outputs a either Google Doc or text file. I have it saved into Dropbox, so I just get a clean text file. And then I can drag and drop that and cut and paste it anywhere. And that works really well for me because it the way Jotterpad is set up, you can set it up into... Um, typewriter mode, and you can only see three lines at a time. Oh, okay. Which I find really helpful. Otherwise, because if I can see the entire screen, I'm going back and I'm self-editing. Oh, I should have used this word. And then I'm touching the screen and I'm going back and I'm, oh, I'm going to use that word there. Or, oh crap, I have a typo. And, um, when you have it set up in typewriter mode, it doesn't show any errors in typos or, or, you know, any, uh, any of the other errors that doesn't show up in John or bad. And I'm working on a Kindle Fire now. I got the 8-inch for Christmas with mm-hmm. a uh, Bluetooth keyboard. And it weighs next the the pair of them together. It goes, I have this little case that it uh, can all slip in to one together. And it weighs next to nothing. I just throw that in my bag. And I have that with me all the time. Because even if I don't want to write, then if I can only get like 15 minutes between clients, then I'll read instead. Okay. Um, so that works really well for me. Nice.
0: Oh, I, I will say the my, my first published short story, I did type on my, my Smith Corona typewriter, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I love using a typewriter. I love the sound of it. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: oh, Actually, I had something right in the middle there.
1: <laughs> um, it's like classic newsroom.
0: Yes, Exactly uh you yes i'm i'm very busy right now you can hear it
1: that's awesome Um,
0: so that that was fun uh and i'm i'm hoping to to get that other typewriter fixed up so i can use it at the office before everyone gets in with my door closed um i i can't wait for the knock on the door and someone says what is that you're doing in there i
2: hear this tapping
0: Uh, but the, the it's difficult to use this now because if if you know the kiddo's taking a nap or you know I just can't sit in my office and type all day right. um, so it's it's nice to be able to one thing I will say about having a pencil and paper or a pen and paper you can do it anywhere yep. you know on the train in the morning uh, on a park bench in a cafe I mean you you can get to writing wherever you are Very true. Um, so if you've never considered writing with pen and paper and you want to write long you know write a work of fiction or nonfiction longhand, it, it really is super useful. Um, and also carrying a, just a, a small pocket notebook with you to jot down mm-hmm. ideas or, you know, maybe you hear an interesting character name somewhere. Um, you can write it down right there. I have a, um, I have the Baron fig, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the little wallet that goes over the, the, pocket guardian. the guardian, that's it. And a, um, a, a pack of vintage time travel, uh, Apprentices, I guess at that point, or were they, were they vanguards at that point? Um, but oh. anyway, the, their pocket notebooks I have. So I have that with me all the time. I have a traveler's notebook with me. Um, and then the, the composition notebook. So I always have something to write with and something to write on. So, and you know what else I have that I can write with, uh, the new Mysterium pen from Baron Fig.
1: I was just going to ask you about that. Cause I think we skipped <laughs> over that and the, what's exciting.
0: Yeah. I, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> So, yeah, I, uh, Baron Fig released a, um, a new Squire pen, the Mysterium. It's this beautiful anodized orange, and you wrote a wonderful review of it. Thank and you. And Dee also wrote a wonderful review of it, um, made extra wonderful because of her complimenting my writing. And uh, it's, it's just – I love the Squire anyway. I have the charcoal one, um, but this one – it's orange, so it's an automatic win for me. But <laughs> Joey at Baron Fig had asked if I wanted to contribute the, a short story to go along with it. It was interesting. I was on his podcast, Eureka, and he had brought up the fact that he was talking to someone, some, some, public, um, some publicity person about the story of the Mysterium pen and how it came to be and everything and hi- hiring me to write the short story. And he said, yeah, you know, Harry, he started as one of our customers and he became a friend of mine. And so, and the publicity person was like, wait, 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 he was a customer. You had a customer, you know, partner, you partnered with a customer to write the short story. And it never occurred to me that I was a customer of Baron Fig because I, I know Joey, we grab coffee every once in a blue moon. Cause he's, he's one stop away on the E train from me. So we'll meet up, you know, not we haven't seen each other in a while, but we used to meet up fairly regularly and just, you know, shoot the SHIT for, uh, <laughs> for an hour, um, at a Starbucks. When he asked me, it was like, Oh, that's great. Thank you so much and, and everything. But it never occurred to me that I was a customer partnering with him to do something for the next product. So that was very cool. But, um, for anyone who's wondering how they're able to do a Tuesday release every week, <laughs> he came to me last April and said, I'd like April of 20, 20- 17 and said, I want to do this pen. Um, would you like to c- contribute the short story? So the story had been done a year in advance before the pen ever came out. All of their products take so long yeah. to plan and, and, um, to, to manufacture and everything and get the marketing ready. So they have this stuff lined up well in advance and they're able to hit these timelines the way they are um, because, or the way they do, because they're so well prepared for it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an absolute blast for me. And what blew my mind the most wasn't just seeing the story on the website, but when I got the pen, I turned the packaging around and saw a little teaser from the story on the package. So to see my words on every single pen sold is just incredible.
1: Yeah, that was super cool. That was really, really cool. I loved this story.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, and, and now I have an extra credit for, uh, when I send my query letters to agents, you know, <laughs> Harry's fiction can be found on barrenfig.com. That's very cool yeah, to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is very cool. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Um, so I think we've, uh, kind of, we've hit everything that we want to talk about, so I'm going to move into the follow ups. Okay. Um, so Odette asked us what stationary Instagram accounts we follow. So I have an incomplete list. I'm not going to read them all all off because I think I've got like 20 there. Um, but I obviously follow the Panadric, Catherine Misook, D- dirges mm-hmm. in the da- Dark, uh, Janine Scribbles, Leapod, jatted, Jaded Journals, Gourmet Pens, uh, Jason Patterson, uh, Galen Leather who uh, Dean oh, yeah. is going to be writing a review of some of their stuff. And I've written a review of um, one of their notebook covers, their composition size, actually, which is fabulous. Uh, I wrote a
0: review of the writing box for 10 Oh, that's Pen-Added right.
1: Too. Yeah, you did. Their stuff is so cool. They have some, like, your writing box had some issues, but I noticed that they recently addressed that.
0: They did, yeah. I, I saw it on an Instagram post. They actually mm-hmm. used my picture from the, the review. Um, but they said, if if your box comes warped or, you know, misassembled or something, we will take care of it. We'll get you a replacement. And they the second box they sent me actually had an issue with it. I managed to fix it myself. Um, basically the screws they used on the hinges on the back were too short and the, the, the top separated from the bottom. Oh, so wow. I ended up transplanting the screws from the other one into this one and it works totally fine. So oh, great. no warping, no issues. That was it. So the screws. I, I don't know why they use different screws, but you know, it is what it is, but it's fixed now. So yeah, it's totally that's fine. Good. But the the box itself is beautiful. I mean, it's a, it's a stunning piece.
1: Yeah. Their stuff is so gorgeous. Um, Do you follow any specific stationary Instagram accounts?
0: I do. Um, One I really, really love is Callig Katrina. um, And she is she's this calligraphy artist who's hired to do like place settings at the Grammys and the Oscars and weddings, bar mitzvahs. And what I love about her is she does this impeccable lettering and everything, but it's not a lot of it isn't like that deliberate, like stroke. Stroke, stroke. Her handwriting is naturally that quick and quick and precise. Oh, wow. And her natural handwriting is calligraphy. It is amazing to watch the videos on, on Instagram and she'll say in the captions, this is not in slow motion. Uh, or, or the, I'm sorry, this is not sped up. This is actual time handwriting and, and just the most beautiful penmanship you've ever seen. Um, I also follow, let's see, Baron Fig, obviously. Um, actually, the, the one you would, admi- uh, Catherine Masook, um, was one, uh, Sky Bambi is another. I follow, I don't follow a whole lot of stationary accounts. I, maybe three or four. Um, I end up following a lot of manufacturers and sellers like Write mm. Notepads and, and Jet, um, Pen Chalet and, and others. Um, Satchel and Page. Uh, makes some of the most beautiful leather bags you've ever seen. Um, they had, they don't make it anymore, but it was a doctor's bag and it was this, this unbelievable, like, trapezoidal bag that stood up on its own. And when you opened it up, it would, you could go inside and, and you didn't have to, like, prop it up on anything. It was unbelievable. It had this, um, brass hardware all over mm. it. Uh, gorgeous, but I was never able to afford it because it was a $500 bag.
2: Ooh, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah, they
0: don't make it anymore. I check eBay now and then to see if someone's put one up for sale, but no one ever has. And I've emailed them and, you know, what they made was what they made. And now they're onto different models and everything. But if you can afford their stuff, I think they're based in New York. They just do some of the most amazing work.
1: Nice. That's really cool. Um, All right. So. I just want to give a quick thanks to everyone who interacts in the Facebook group. It's, I just really love our Facebook group because so many different people are interacting in a positive manner. It's, it's such a fun group of people and so intelligent, so much fun discussion. Um, so if you haven't joined the Facebook group, head on over. I'll have a link in the show notes. We're now on iTunes and Stitcher as what you can find us also in any of your favorite podcasting apps. If you have a moment, please head on over to iTunes and rate us. It's the best way to help spread the word about our podcast and, you know, let other people have the stationary love. Uh, so you can find the podcast at stationarypodcast.com. Harry, where can we find you?
0: Uh, you can f- actually, before, before we officially end this, do you mind sure. if I ask you a question? Sure, absolutely. What, what is your hope or your plan for your writing?
1: <sighs> I, you know what? I, I would like to be a hybrid author. I would, I really, I have this deep desire to be traditionally published, and I would also like to do some indie publishing of my own or some self-publishing. I've, you know, some of my favorite authors have done that, like Jay Wells as very, she's, um, she does paranormal fantasy and paranormal rant romance, although I don't know if she would categorize her stuff as paranormal romance, but most people seem to. Um, mm-hmm. so she's traditionally published, um, and then when, her novels, uh, she got dropped by her publisher. She had uh, plans for three more novels in the series. She got dropped, and then she started to self-publish those. And it seems like she, it's doing pretty well for her. So, you know, I think I'd like to follow that kind of a track. But definitely, I definitely want to do some traditional publishing in addition to the self-publish. The problem, I think, that, you know, I'm going to run into, and I know this in advance, is that lesbian characters don't sell well or that's what we're told. That's what every lesbian author gets told is that well if you're going to write a lesbian character it's not going to you're going to have a really hard time selling that. So um if that's, you
0: uh, do you pay attention to like manuscript wish list or or pit Mad or any of those
1: I haven't Twitter? I haven't gotten too in depth. I've started to pay attention. I'm following those things, but um I haven't had a chance to follow them that closely because most of them want a finished manuscript. And right now I'm, you know, I'm on my fifth book and I don't feel like any of my stuff is ready to be published. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not at a point in my, in my writing career, if you will, where I would be comfortable sending anything out yet. I think I need to get, you know, one more book under me. And then I think, actually, I think that the one that I'm, I'm reworking right now might be, might be the one that I send out.
2: Mm hmm.
1: But I know that there's a big call for, um, you know, minority characters right now, and that so there, I have been following that.
0: There is a a big call for um diversity across all uh, races, genders, um, and and you know all all different types. And I, if you look at authors like Anna Marie Mclemore, who wrote The Way to Feathers, um, her recent novels feature trans characters, um. I believe Whitney Gardner, I think uh, uses um, LGBT kids in her young adult novels as well. I think um, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I maybe not in her novels, but in her um, graphic novels.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I, I see on Twitter, I follow so many agents on Twitter and the, I do see so many calls for FF, MM, um, trans, um, you know, all, all different types of books because Things have been changing and the diversity, um, the initiatives being taken to just cast a wide net over, um, you know, as much as they can get across all different types of people is it's grown quite a bit from even last year. So um, don't don't sell your stuff short just yet. But I, I will say kudos to you for knowing, like, I'm not ready to send this out yet. Maybe the next one kind of thing, because I was not smart enough to do that. <laughs> and i sent every damn book i wrote like when i when i thought it was ready and i'm so glad i never got anything published <laughs> um and i you know i i've sent the the one i'm working on now i've sent pieces of it to people um to take a look at and the the feedback i've gotten and these are these are people who've been published and they're like this is it this is the one nice. you're going to get your agent with that nice. has been so inspiring and and motivating but um, yeah, I was not smart enough to, to know, keep this until, you know, put this in a drawer and don't let anyone ever see it.
1: Well, I see, you know, I see a lot of uh, people, I think, rushing to mm-hmm. publish and self-publish. Like, I I don't want to be that person that puts something out there that I'm embarrassed by five years from now. You know, right. I, have, I have a comfortable job. I'm not in any hurry to leave my job and, and you know... This is right now it's a hobby for me, and you know do i do I hope that someday that i'm I'm making ends meet with my hobby? Well, I don't know, I don't know if that's gonna be what ends up happening for me. I might be someone who, like Cameron Hurley, has a full time job or a part time job, and I continue doing this outside of my day job, you know um. Right. So, and a
0: book takes as long as it takes. So, you know, so uh, not every book needs to take ten years to write in order for it to be considered good. At a certain point, you're 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 not adding to it. You're just taking away, and you're you're changing it for the sake right. of changing it because there's nothing else to do. Um, but you look at someone like Hanya Gahara and her first her debut. I think it was the People in the Trees. Took her eight years to write her mm-hmm. second book, um, A Little Life, which is a stunning sophomore work took two years and it's 800 pages. I mean, it's a beast of a novel, but it, it only took her two years to get out the door. So, you know, a book takes as long as it takes. Don't drive yourself crazy trying to get it just right over 10 years, because you think that's how long and not you I'm saying rhetorically, right. uh, You know, don't, don't take that long of a time because you think that's what you have to do.
1: Yeah. I think that there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Like, it takes, it takes the time it takes to, to write, but then also I think the editing process of going back in, fleshing things out. I tend to be a spare writer. Mm-hmm. And I have to go back in and I have to add more description. Like, okay, what's the coffee shop look like? What does the yep. scene look like? What does this town look like? What does this street look like? Like, what does the character look like? Cause I, I'm, I want to get to the action. And right. so I always have to go back in and add like my 50,000 words for NaNoWriMo when it flushed out. That's, that's going to be probably 70,000 words that I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to add another 20,000 into it
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I don't, I don't add enough description.
0: I'm the same way. <laughs> I, 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 write sparse. I, I get to the end of a draft and I'm like, I needs needs 10,000 more words to even be considered for publication. So yeah. I gotta, I've yeah. got to add it somewhere.
1: Yeah. And you know, I wonder if that has to do with writing by hand.
0: That's part of it, I think. And I, I, I had been thinking about that the other day. That you know, am I rushing through this and and writing less because I just don't want to do it by hand anymore? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have said to myself, this is the last time I'm doing this. I'm not writing another book by hand again. <laughs> it, it's miserable. Like I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances either on the typewriter or in the Alpha Smart.
1: Uh, that'll be interesting I'll, I'll when you get to that point when you when you start we'll have to have another conversation about how it changes your process and if you are less spare or if you add more details later on
0: right yeah you, you're you're given this it's it's like you you learn to drive in a, a Yaris because that's what i drive but you, you learn to drive in this putt this little putt-putt car and then suddenly you're given a tesla and it's like oh i can i can go you know zero to 60 in three seconds let's right. see how this goes and then you crash into a wall you can find me <laughs> <laughs> on twitter at hc marks and the podcast at covered underscore fm you can find uh you can f- actually find a rundown of all the stuff i've i've written at hcmarks.com and that'll get you where you want to go um, to my other projects and stuff. podcast yeah. you can also find at hologramradio.org slash covered um, or in Apple Podcasts and anywhere fine, pod- fine, fine podcasts are sold.
1: You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio, and Instagram and Twitter at Original LC Harper. You'll be able to find d at theweeklypencil.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the same, The Weekly Pencil. Find Lenore, at Lenore Hoyt, on Twitter, though she's never there. She is pretty active in the Erasable Podcast Facebook group and the RSVP stationary Podcast group when uh, she's not vacationing and traveling with her family. So, thank you. I've had a great time chatting with you, Harry, and uh, we should do it again sometime.
0: Absolutely. This is great.
1: Yeah, I had a great time.